I'm really excited to share with you my heart uh, on, a mes- on a passage the Lord's been laying on my heart from the time Rob asked me a few weeks back to speak. Uh, it's like, hey, Lord, what do you want me to speak on? And right away, as I heard, Matthew 28, uh, verses 16 to 20, the Great Commission. And, um, and I, so I've just been mulling that over and asking the Lord to shape my heart and to work in my heart and to get me connected to his word and to just know what he's saying in it and what he wants to say to you. And the thing he pointed out right away is the emotion of that passage. What's going on in that passage? And it's like, ah, and now I'm an emotional wreck because I prayed that. Because I really want the heart of God's word to speak it to the way that those disciples were encountering it. And it was the worst time of their lives. Their Messiah had been murdered in front of their eyes. He had been brutally murdered in front of their eyes. And they've made their way back to Galilee. And now they have an encounter with him. And so... Their life is a mess. It's wrecked. The things that they had thought were going to happen didn't happen, and everything is blown up around them. My week, my last few weeks, have had bombs, just bombs dropping around them. Um, doesn't compare to the emotional wreck that the disciples will have been feeling, but we've had that. And again, three weeks ago, I prayed, Lord, prepare my heart, help my heart be ready for this. Get me in the right frame of mind. I've needed some of the emotional bombs going on in my life to get my heart ready to speak the message. God is so good and worthy of our praise. So, the message this morning is called Your Job is Your Fob. It's coined from a good friend of mine, a missionary friend of mine who I really respect. Maybe he got it from someone else, but he's the guy I hear it from all the time. This guy's been a missionary around the world. And he's really passionate about wherever you are, you go and you make disciples. So your job is your fob. Most of you know, or many of you know, I've been working at Canada Post. None of you, or unless you're a Canada Post employee, you can't get in that building. But I could go walk over there during midday and go bleep, bleep, bleep. I know the number. I still know the number. And I can just walk right in the back. That job is my fob into the lives of the people who work in that building. That's where I'm going with this, wherever you are. So it's not necessarily, if you don't have a job, oh, this isn't for me. No, wherever you are. So when you go to the grocery store, that is your fob. You're going into there, and you can go into the grocery store and make disciples in there, just straight by your actions. It's just hearing Greg talk to uh, the loans over there about his tattoo on his arm. When he reaches out to say something, boom, the cross, including my, it speaks something. They're, They're watching me. They're watching my actions. Since I put this on my arm, oh boy, like, everyone's watching my actions. It's okay, it's good, but our job is our fob. The places that we go, people are watching us, and we have the opportunity to disciple people closer to Jesus or make them go, I'm out. Nothing to do with that. I don't want that in my life. Um, a while back, Dave and I were talking, and we are talking about different people in our community. I have a really big heart and broken heart for the people that I would call the de-churched in the Steinbeck area. There's so many who have just said, I'm done with church. I'm done with Christians. That aches me. Like It really aches my heart. And as Dave and I were talking about it, it's not that many people have closed the door. We've slammed the door on them. We've slammed the door on people in the way that we've presented Jesus to them. They just, they're out. We've got to turn that around. We've got to turn that around. If you're living here in Steinbeck, you're a follower of Jesus, our call is to go onto those streets and make disciples right here. 
and to point people towards him. And so how do we do that? passage that we're going to read, I want to read it for you, and I'm just going to probably pause. I'm trying to wrestle with the Lord. How do you want me to speak this message? We're just going to go verse by verse and, and see what he has to say. But So after uh, Jesus is crucified, Mary, Magdalene, and Mary go to the tomb, and they meet with an angel of the Lord, and he says, you guys, you need to go tell the disciples to make their way to Galilee. That would have taken them, well, I'm not a details guy, but I did some research, and it would have taken them if they were like super fast walking and in a hurry, and they needed to get there right now. Maybe they could have made it in two days. Likely it was closer to a four-day walk. And you've got to remember, again, emotionally think. Their Messiah has been murdered in front of their eyes, brutally. It's not just like death hurts our hearts all the time. They've watched a brutal death in front of them, and now they've got to make a four-day walk to go and see the Messiah, who's risen from the dead. He's no longer in the tomb. All kind of, I, I can't even imagine all the emotions. Uh, I think about when I've gone on youth missions trips with youth. On the way down, so we often went to Thompson. On the way down, we're watching movies in the van and the bus, and they're talking about all kinds of things that have nothing to do with the missions trip. They're so excited, and on the way back, usually the bus is way more quiet, and they're talking about the people that they encountered and, and the situations and maybe some of the hardships and the hard things. So the disciples making that four-day walk to Galilee, they will have been reflecting on the life of Jesus, all the things he taught them. Remember when Jesus did this? Oh, that was so good, man. I just wish he was here with me. Now. just wish he was here with me. What was Judas thinking? What was he thinking? And they will have mulled that four days of walking. You can talk a lot. My favorite time as a pastor and a youth pastor is when we get in the bus and we go for a long journey or when I take kids on a youth mission trip or a, a youth retreat and just start seeing them talk. 12 o'clock talks, I love them. 2 o'clock in the morning in the cabin at camp, the best, right? People's hearts start to just flow. The disciples had four days of walking to get to Galilee and that's where their heart... What, what we read here, verse 16, Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. So they're walking there, and they're going there because Jesus directed them to go there. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Wow. Obvious, right? I love, one of the things the Lord's been speaking to my heart on this is, though they doubted, they continued to walk. They made the journey. Though they doubted, they made the journey to Galilee. When they saw him, they worshipped. That's all they could do. That's the response. Um, but even in their worship, they're doubting. Like, is this really him? Is this really Jesus? Maybe you're here today, and you're doubting. Is Jesus real? Is this faith thing real? How do I go about doing it? What are the steps I have to take? What does that look like? You're here. You're here to worship. And we're grateful you're here. In the midst of your doubt, don't stop worshiping. When life throws you curveballs and it gets hard, don't stop worshiping. When you doubt and you question and you have big questions, don't stop worshiping. Just keep stepping towards him. Have faith and trust in him and he will keep providing and showing himself to you more and more and more. Jesus' first words, so they're doubting, they're questioning, they're in all this emotional turmoil, they're hurting. And I imagine Jesus in his soft, loving voice says, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Do not fear. 
Don't worry about it. It's all been given to me. It's all in my power. It's all in my control. All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. This changes everything. The whole game has changed right now. And the disciples in all their brokenness are sitting there and going, they're getting it. They're understanding, wow, this is Jesus. This is the one we followed. And he says, it's all given to me. Don't worry about it. These fears, these doubts, these things you're going through, it's all been given to me. He's taught them this. He's told them this already in the scriptures, that this is what's going to happen. But now it's actually happening before their eyes. If you have a Bible and want to turn to John chapter 14, I'll show you this. This would have been when they were all together And Jesus was teaching them. Um, Rob talked a couple weeks ago about the washing of feet and that event that happened. This is kind of in that same time frame of what's going on. But Jesus teaches them about the coming of the Spirit. And so think about the emotion and the things that they're feeling. Think he's been crucified. They've met him in Galilee. And now they're at this point of like, ah, oh, he's standing before me and they're worshiping him. And he says, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. And then the call to go make disciples. But This is what he says in John chapter 14. If you love me, you will keep my commandments, which he's going to say in verse 19 that we're going to look at. And I will ask the Father, and the Father will give you another helper to be with you forever, even the Spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. Pause there for one second. Just think about what the disciples are feeling. They're feeling abandoned. Their hearts are broken. They feel like orphans. Jesus has taught them this. He's already taught them this. I won't leave you as an orphan. I'm going to come back. I'm going to encourage you. I'm going to speak words into your life. So he says, I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Yet a little while, and the world will see me no more. But you see me. Because I live, you also will live. In that day you will know that I am in my Father and you in me, and I in you. Whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by the Father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. This is what the disciples are experiencing firsthand right there at Galilee as Jesus returns. He's already told them this is going to happen. I can imagine all this ache and this hurting just kind of going, "Ah, Jesus has got this. He's got this. They still don't totally know what to go and do, though, at that moment. And then Jesus says, go make disciples of all nations. Baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach them to obey all that I've commanded you. And behold, I'm with you always, to the end of the ages. This part where Jesus says all authority is really for us. It's foundational for us to understand that in our own Christian journey because life gets hard. Um, As you've heard, if you don't know me, I've had many cancer journeys and I've had the curveball thrown on me countless times when it comes to the cancer journey. Cancer isn't fun to walk through. Hardships aren't fun to walk through. My whole life, in many ways, I look back and I go, man, there's hardships. 
your whole lives. You're sitting here today, and I'm sure there's countless stories of brokenness and hardship and times when we just don't even know how to move forward. Um, It's foundational and important for us to understand that all authority in heaven and also on earth has been given to to Jesus. So if you're a follower of Jesus, no matter what your circumstance is, no matter what you're going through, no matter how hard it is, he has the authority to stop it or to change it. And he can also give you the power to walk through it. And so I don't say that lightly. I say that as someone that's walked through and in cancer and just received a treatment that makes me almost not be able to talk, and I'm talking to you today on Thursday. The typical way that this goes is on Saturday I start coughing and I lose my voice and Sunday morning I don't have much of a voice. And I'm standing here with a voice because the authority is given to Jesus, not us. And he will give you the power to walk through whatever is put before you. He will. And he does it over and over. But we seem to think and forget what Scripture says. Jesus says in John chapter 16, I believe. In this world you will have trouble. What does he say? Take heart, I've overcome the world. It's not hidden in Scripture that life is going to throw you some really hard things. But Jesus has the authority to overcome these things and help us through them. First Peter, this one hits me all the time. First Peter 5 verse 8, the enemy prowls around like a lion looking for someone to devour. Think of Job. I just like was reflecting on it this week again. Job, enemy is like going to and fro, and I just think he's just messing around in our world. A friend of mine texts me this week and says, man, I just feel angry with the enemy. I just see he's just messing around. He's dropping little bombs on that person's life, messing around there, and he's just having his way in our world. And he was angry about it, and I say, Great. Start getting mad at the enemy for messing around in the lives of people. One of the biggest responses that people will say to me as my cancer journey returns, oh, Vince, it's okay to be upset with the Lord on this. Really? You know who I'm upset with? I'm upset with the enemy who brought the fall into our world to begin with. That's who I'm upset with. I don't have a right to be upset with God the Father. He's worthy of everything I have no matter what journey I'm going through. He's worthy of it. And he will give you the power to walk in it. Is it easy? No. Trust me, I've laid in the hospital bed fighting for my life. Fighting for it, to breathe. Fighting for life. It's not easy, but he will walk with you. And he will give you the peace that surpasses all understanding. I think we need to start getting mad at the enemy. Pushing back. It ticks me off that there's so many people in this city that want nothing to do with the church because the enemy has come in and twisted things in their minds about who we are as Christians. Start pushing back on the enemy and saying, no, you have no place in our city. Taking it back. Deuteronomy 31, verse 6, Be strong and courageous. Do not fear or be in dread of them. For it is the Lord your God who goes with you. He will not leave you or forsake you. No matter what you walk through, he is right beside you. After my first cancer journey, I had a pastor and a friend of mine come and say, so Vince, what did you learn? I said, well, the one thing I experienced was the Lord so close that I'm not a theologian. Like, I can't sit here and argue with people. I just, I 
okay, just come and walk with me. That's my response usually. So the one thing I learned, though, is that I don't think there's any way I could deny it because I've experienced the presence of Jesus sitting with me in, in rooms when they're telling me things that should be totally falling apart and complete peace. I've experienced Jesus carrying me at nights where I felt so much pain in my body and aching where I just felt like the righteous right hand. What we read about in Scripture is just helping me and holding me out just in the bed. I've experienced those things that I cannot deny who he is. No matter what. Some theologian can come and try to wreck me completely. I'll go, okay, well, I'm, you can say all that, but I know my experience. He's carried me, and he wants to carry you, and no matter what you're walking through, not ever going to stand up here and tell you that's going to be easy. But his call in your life is to go make disciples. Everyone, if you say you are a follower of Jesus, that is your mandate. That is your call. You cannot be a Christian and, not be a dis- and choose not to be a disciple maker. But you can be discipled and not be a Christian. Every single one of you who claim to be a follower of Jesus are discipling people. No matter whether you realize it or not, you're discipling people. And I do believe in our city, part of the reason there's so many people meh with the church is because of the way we've done some of our discipling. Jesus is pretty clear. Go make disciples. How do we do that? So as a pastor, I have read books and books and books, and I have seeked the Lord and asked the Lord for a program and a system. How do I disciple young people? How do I grow them up so that they are loving you and passionate for you? Lord, give me another book. And I'd read another book, and I'd read another one. And nothing seemed to just go, boom, that's it, right there. Matt talked about last week about something, you know, the Holy Spirit does things like in a moment of what we have spent hours trying to do. He can do that. And this is what happened to me on this passage. I was sitting at Eagle Lake Bible Camp reading Matthew 28, go make disciples of all nations. And then this is where it hit me, teaching them to observe all I've commanded you. That's it. That's it right there. So you want to know how to make disciples? Teaching them to observe all I've commanded you. And it hit me. I'm like, okay, that's it. Well, Jesus is like, what did you all command? And no, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. What are all the other commands of Jesus? Like, what did Jesus command? And I went to Mr. Google with really poor cell reception and typed in, what are the commands of Jesus? And instantly, there's, there's all kinds of websites that have looked at this, but most people come up with 49 to 50, 52 Um, I think you can actually stretch it a bit because some of them have multiple things in there in those commands. Anyway, I have a paper here, 50 commands of Jesus. I start saying, okay, Lord, work in me. There's 50, that's almost one a week. One a week I'm going to pray over on this list in my office, and I just want you to work it in my heart. Like, work it in my heart, help me teach the kids. So I wanted to disciple our youth ministry to be disciples, so here's my, here now is my uh, Bible studies for the year. Just the commands of Jesus. There's nothing better if we want to make the disciples than to just look at the commands of Jesus. So, oh Lord, first one on here, help me to repent. Oh man, that's hard stuff. How do I do that? And all week just sitting on it. How do I repent? How do I, how do, I do this? And I go into the grocery store in Steinbeck and I'm a bit of a jerk at the cashier and all of a sudden I walk to my car and the Holy Spirit says, you need to repent that was not the way to treat that 17-year-old cashier. You need to repent of that. Oh, man, what do you want me to do? 
Go ask for forgiveness. It's that simple, Vince. Okay. Okay. And you go and you do it. You repent of it. You actually live that way. That's discipling that cashier. I had this not that long ago, actually. That's that I was at Harvest Insurance here, and Tyron was in Costa Rica, and I had signing rights to her car, and I went in to go do something, and, oh, you need this form yet, and then you need that form yet. And I was like, are you serious? Like, I have signing rights to this car. And I was getting annoyed. I could just see, I, I know what she was seeing. Char knows this. I'm going to say, like, when a Kaler gets frustrated, you can't hide it. Like, you know, I'm visibly agitated. And I knew this young cashier, had, not her fault, could see. I'm agitated. I'm frustrated. Fine, I'll go get another signature. And I, off I went. I walked out of that place. I felt so humiliated. I didn't even say anything. Like, I did not use words at her. I just, she will read it all over me. I went back and I just said, I'm sorry. That's really not the man I want to be. I don't know if I've ever seen her again. She might even be sitting in here. That's my, that's my concern. She might be sitting in here and I want to be a solid witness out there every single time. Every time. I need the Holy Spirit to speak to me and lead me and I want to repent. I want to walk in humility. As I'm thinking about this, when we first started coming here, Rob preached a message and believing that, like saying that one of the things that we want to be known for as Calvary Church is a heart of humility in our community that like that's what's going to bring people in that's what's going to raise people up and make people curious now i pray that over us that is my passion for us as a church and when we walk out of here people are like there's something different about the people of calvary church they're humble they're walking in the spirit they walk with conviction they walk in love like i've never seen i can tell you this this isn't even full if we start walking in that way we won't know what to do if we start walking that way with people coming into this church. Because people want to experience the genuine love of Jesus. And that's your job and my job, to get out there and do that. So much I could say. So little time. Two people I talked to this week when I was talking to them about discipleship and preaching on this passage. said, you know, Matthew 28, every time I ever hear that, I just think, that's a passage for missionaries. Go to all nations. Ah, I'm out. It's not for me. So not the case. Um, I was thinking, man, Rob needs to preach on this section because he knows the Greek. He knows the Hebrew. And so I went to uh, think theologically uh, Greek geeking the Great Commission of Matthew. And there's a line in here, that just a little paragraph that I want to read for you because I think we often just say this is for others and not for us. They looked at the Greek word of going. And it says the idea here is not go on a mission trip or go somewhere. The practical... Con- uh, the practical... Practical conveys the continuous action that is already happening right now, but that also continues to happen in the future. So the idea is more like as you are going along in your life, as you are moving along in your life, go and make disciples. So everywhere you go, 
when you walk out of this building, if you're a follower of Jesus, is an opportunity to go and make disciples. Um, what I've last year and a half, I've been working in the secular workforce. So I spent a year working at the rental house, and then I've spent the last six months here at Canada Post. And uh, I walk into a place. Most people know that I've been a pastor for. I've been in ministry for right in the neighborhood of 19 years. People know that about me. They don't rec. They don't know the construction vents, and so whoa. Everyone, though, that I work with right away goes, oh, so you're a pastor? And I can tell you, my sensors, I can tell right away. That's a negative, that's a negative, that's a negative. I don't know that I've ever met a... Yeah. I sense the negativity very quickly. And then it's like, walls are up. I'm like, oh, Lord, how do I break these things down? And so a year at the rental house of just working and being a witness and being an encouragement, not pushing Jesus down anyone's throats, just going in, being joyful, getting re-diagnosed with cancer, and my world kind of going, oh, okay. One of my symptoms is I get itchy when my cancer comes back. And so them watching me starting to itch and going crazy and working through that and working through doctor's appointments and then them watching, the peace of the Lord is on that guy. What on earth? And on my last day, I had a party thrown for me, not by the boss, not by any of the other management staff. I had a party thrown for me by the guy who is probably the most critical of Christianity. And thankful that I got to spend time there. I never got to witness to him, but I witnessed to him. And I pray daily that his journey is changing and that he's seen Jesus and is walking closer towards him. Canada Post, um, they welcomed back with all the mandates lifting, federal mandates lifting, us who were filling spots kind of got bumped and all the other people came back in. So last week, Wednesday, was my last official, I'll say it's my last official day. They said, oh, you're part-time, we'll call you. They will never call me. There's too many people that came back. Totally fine with that. The Lord's timing is good. He has it. One of the managers there, though, her words to me in walking out of the building is, I feel like I'm going to cry. I feel like I'm going to cry because you're leaving. Thank you, Jesus. I've done my job. Her too. I didn't get to witness and grill her about her beliefs and who Jesus is and why he came, but I got to disciple her along that path, trusting that the Holy Spirit will work and do more than I can ever imagine. Discipling isn't just getting someone to say the prayer, check mark, yes, good for me. Statistics for us. It doesn't work that way. It will never work in Steinbach. I can promise you that. Discipleship is going and being Jesus, loving them. It's living out the fruits of the Spirit where Galatians is just stamped all over you. Galatians 5.22, the fruits of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Things that Steinbeck people don't see every day. They need to see it on you and me. One of the things that someone asked me this week, how did the outreach go at Summer in the City? We were wearing these shirts during Summer in the City. How did it go? What, what kind of opportunities did you get? I don't have statistics for you. I can't tell you, we had this many converts, we gave away that many Bibles, this happened, that happened. I can tell you this, that Mavis and I were walking along and all the busyness of people, and we'd have people run up behind us, grab us by the hey, 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 can you tell me what's up with that shirt? What's up with the shirt you're wearing? 
And we had the opportunity, oh, we're from Calvary Church. This is the first time that we've been able to have the doors open during summer in the city. We're so excited to be on the street that we can bless people. We gave away water bottles, and they're like, what? The church does that stuff? Oh, man, like, you're being loving and joyful and generous? What? The church does that stuff? And you could just see the walls coming down. All of a sudden, they're willing to talk to us. Thank you, Jesus. God did so much during summer in the city. I can hardly wait for next year. Like, yeah, we need to be praying about next year for that. This morning, as I was prepping and thinking through this, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded, you know, we do this in everyday life. We observe people all the time. I'm observing you in your reactions. Believe it or not, the amount of things that go through a preacher's head when they're up here, it's crazy what the Lord helps you filter through and how much the enemy wants to come in and distract. We are filtering all the time. So Friday I was sitting on the couch in the back corner prepping. I had one of the tall stools, had my computer on there. And all of a sudden I see this young adult wearing a high-vis shirt running in front of Canada Post, like in full work gear, big work boots, clunking and just ripping. And I'm like, my brain is observing her. What is she doing? In a bit of a negative tone, if you're here, it gets better. It was like, what's she thinking? Why is she running down the sidewalk? Oh, she's probably late for an appointment or maybe didn't pay her insurance, blah, 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 blah. All going through my brain. It goes through really, really fast. And then in front of Sweaties, there's a car park there, and she stops an elderly lady. They have a bit of an exchange. I couldn't see totally what's going on. She turns around and walks, and the step was just like she was bouncing, a smile on her face. And I was preparing exactly this spot in all the notes that I actually wrote that I haven't looked at yet. Um, I'm preparing exactly this spot, and the Lord says, look at all the things you just observed in that girl. Look at all the stuff, the negative, the things you were thinking about her, the exchange with the elderly lady, and then walking away, what were your thoughts about that, la- that girl that walked away? I'm like, man, she must be a follower of Jesus. I could see it on her. She went and gave something to that elderly lady. She blessed her. She gave it to her. The elderly lady walked back. You could see she was relieved. Do you actually not think that that's exactly how it works in your life and my life all the time? It's crazy. People are watching your life all the time. You don't need a big cross tattoo on your arm for people to be watching you and and developing thoughts all the time. Every action you make. Whoa, the pressure. I want to put that pressure on you. If you claim to be a follower of Jesus, that pressure's on you. Start daily praying and saying, Lord, teach me to observe all that you've commanded me. If you don't know what the commands are, then just seek them out and say, Holy Spirit, teach me. Teach me. I want to be a good witness in our community. I want people to come to you. I want people to be set free. The other thing our heart has just loved about Calvary, there's this heart to bring hope to the hopeless. My life has felt hopeless many times. As a child, when my parents divorced, when we were on welfare, we didn't have enough things to eat, when I couldn't understand things in school, when the teachers picked on me because I wasn't a learner, all these things, it's just like, boom, 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 boom. I had like so much shame in my life. Jesus sets us free from that. Seek out the commands of Jesus. He will lead you. He will guide you. All authority on heaven, in heaven and on earth has been given to him. 
He'll work away. Okay. A few key things, words I just wrote on my one page. Obey and observe. Super important words. God wants us as his followers to walk in obedience. It's something that our culture fights. It's something that as kids we start to fight right away to obey. As a follower of Jesus, submit. Jesus has way more authority. He's got way more wisdom than anyone in this room. Submit to his wisdom and obey what he's asking. If he's asking you to go repent and ask for forgiveness somewhere, go and do it. Here's the thing that I've noticed in walking in this way. He doesn't condemn you right away when you don't do it. You just miss out. You miss out on something that he wants to bless you in. When I go and I repent and I, or bless somebody, give somebody something because the Holy Spirit put it on my heart, often I don't know what it did. And he doesn't come and like, okay, well, since you didn't repent, boom, 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 boom. No, he's gracious. He's gracious. His grace and his mercy is far more than we can ever imagine. But he has good for you when you actually do walk in complete submission and obedience. That, I can tell you, the freedom that comes with that is amazing. So work at walking in obedience and understand that people are observing your life and through that, put those two together. Know that all authority has been given to Jesus, no matter what you're walking through. He knows about it. He cares about you. It can be tough. That is where literally we need to hold each other up. There are times where I've had to have people literally holding up my arms and helping me, and I don't know what I would have done if it weren't for some of my very close friends. Even this past week, in all the bombshells that were happening, to know that I could reach out to a few of my brothers and they would be praying for me, it changes like that. When I humble myself and say, guys, I'm struggling, things are going rough, can you please pray for me? Things turn around. So be quick to ask for prayer and then submit it and trust that the Lord will carry you. It doesn't mean it all goes away but he will carry you. And when you have doubts, don't stop worshiping. Don't stop worshiping. When the doubts come and the struggles come, continue to worship. Turn it up. My job learning at Canada Post was like, ah, that is a mentally tiring job when you're learning all these boxes to put things and people get frustrated with you. And there were many times where I wanted to give up. In fact, one day I messaged my managers and I said, this is, I don't think this is for me. Very quickly, my phone was ringing. You send a text like that and they, everyone gets worried, I guess. And then uh, they're like, Vince, what's going on? And I had the opportunity again to disciple them in I was feeling overwhelmed. How am I going to react to this? How am I going to do it? I'm going to press through. And they watched that and they, they seen me as a real human being, not someone that can just step into anywhere and it's just going to go easy. They watched my struggling. And in that, they also watched me work through it. What I did when I got in my vehicle, my playlist was on loud and we worshipped the rest of that mail route when I just did not feel like I could do it. And it turned it around. Lamentations says, I'm just going to say, in Lamentations, his mercies are new every morning. Every morning. I, I, I know the feeling of when before you put your head on that pillow where you just feel like, I cannot do another day. I am spent. Completely 
completely spent today. And then the Lord says, Vince, my mercies are new tomorrow morning. Do you know how good it feels to wake up in the morning and experience those mercies brand spanking new? Man, we get to go through it again. And he will give you the strength. I can promise you that. He will give you the strength. Worship band, you can come on up. One of the things we've been working through and, and encouraging is just response. And um, part of our journey, me and Mavis were reflecting on this. We were at a youth retreat, and uh, the preacher was talking about battling and going into the battle and, and just saying, okay, Jesus, it's all yours. 100% it's all yours. And as youth leaders, you often think, oh, this is for the kids. And it was like the Holy Spirit was just saying, no, this is for you. Is it all his, 100%. No matter what, Jesus, no matter what we go through, it's all yours. And that's, I just want to put that out there for you. Are you willing to say like 100%, Jesus? I'm willing to let people observe my life. And I want to, I want to adjust things. I want to work at, at um, becoming a disciple, knowing the things that you've commanded. If you'd like prayer for that, I would invite you to come on up during the worship song or after the worship song and just ask someone, just can you pray over me over that? I just I want him to have everything. I want him to have everything. I was a youth leader already. I, I wanted Jesus to have everything, but it was like that day is a marker in my life where I said, it's all yours, and things changed. My life has been so exciting from that point on and so hard and just so good. But I just want to invite you, if you feel like you need prayer, you need someone to, just, you need to come here and kneel and pray, and someone just put their hand on you and say nothing. If that's your act of submitting and saying, okay, Jesus, it's all yours for your glory, Do what you want to do and then let them work. Uh, I just want to invite you during the worship time to do that.